I mean, they aren't mods. They won't make any big decisions. They can't just go around banning people. What's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of This Week Today with Curious J where we talk about gaming and streaming news. I'm your host, Curious J. Appreciate y'all being here today. Um, before we get into this week's episode, normally this is where I put the sponsor, but I might be in the middle of some changes coming up pretty soon, which I'll let y'all know about. Uh, but I just want to remind y'all, do stream on Twitch. The new schedule is looking to be Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Around the same time I always do, 10.30 p.m. Central. But hopefully I catch y'all there. We talk about a lot of this stuff live and, and I love chatting with you guys. So hopefully I'll see y'all there. But let's get into this week's episode, guys. So after more than a month of closed beta testing, Riot's new free-to-play tactical shooter, Valorant, will be released on June 2nd. Super hype, guys. Honestly, earlier than I expected and I'm super excited about it. Uh, on that date, people across the majority of regions worldwide will be able to download the game for free from its website. Valorant's closed beta will end five days earlier on May 28th. The entire game will go offline for maintenance as Riot prepares for launch. While people have had the chance to play the game during the closed beta, all progress for every player will be reset when the game is actually released. The good news is that you'll be able to keep what you earned in the closed beta player pass. And if you purchased any of the skins, you'll get your points back plus an extra 20%. I mean, you do lose the skin, but Riot giving you back that extra 20% is pretty awesome and you'll be able to spend that on whatever else you want to once the game is actually released. Along with the release date announcement, executive producer Anna Donlin and game director Joe Ziegler shared some of Riot's post-launch plans for Valorant. Among them are a new game mode, a new agent, and a new map. All of these elements are set to be released shortly after the June 2nd launch date. The team looks forward to starting our decade-long commitment to servicing the global Valorant community, said Donlin. This is just the beginning of our journey together. So they have some major plans for the game, guys. They're not planning on stopping anytime soon. Along with the new content, Riot plans to add Valorant servers in cities around the world, including Atlanta, Dallas, London, Madrid, and Warsaw, Poland, in order to give more players access to lower latency matches, which, in all honesty, I haven't had any issues with it myself, but, you know, being a Texas boy, I, having a server in Dallas is going to be pretty awesome. If you haven't played Valorant already, I really recommend it. I've loved it every minute of time spent on the game so far and it's going to be one of my mainstream games for the foreseeable future um if you haven't played it yet might as well wait till june 2nd for the full release and just get the best experience you can out of it in other news crucible the team-based pvp shooter from amazon games is now live and open to all on steam and to mark the moment the studio has dropped a new trailer showcasing the game's oddball case of hunters which includes aliens, robots, and a cat packing heat? Whoa. Each character in Crucible has unique abilities and weapons that can be upgraded over the course of a match, modifying and enhancing their abilities as the game progresses. Unusually, those unlocks are pre-selected at the start of each game rather than on the fly, which in theory at least should enable you to more effectively plan and pursue your upgrade path. Three modes are available 
in Crucible at launch, including objective-based 4v4 and 8v8 modes, and a third called Alpha Hunt that sounds like a potentially interesting twist on Battle Royale. Eight duos do battle to be the last team standing, which is fairly standard stuff, but players who lose their partner can opt to team up with other involuntarily solo players they encounter on their travels. So they're not stuck at a firepower disadvantage for the remainder of the game. That's a pretty cool twist if you ask me. The catch is that these alliances of convenience can be broken at any time, so if your teammate thinks they're better off alone, you can very suddenly find yourself catching three in the head from an unexpected direction. This becomes a major risk near the end of the game because once the match is down to the final three players, all alliances are broken to force a free-for-all finish anyway. You know what I mean? So it's, you have to be very careful, at least that's what it seems like. The objective-based modes are giving me really big smite vibes, which I think is a great take on a MOBA experience. The battle royale mode sounds super interesting as well, so I'm excited to try it out myself. After delay of a couple of hours, it was supposed to go live at 3pm, but didn't actually show up until around 5pm. Uh, but it is available now on Steam, but only in North America. A launch update note on the Steam page says that players in other parts of the world will be able to get into the action soon, so don't lose hope guys, we'll all be playing it pretty soon. So if you've seen my episodes before, you know I like to talk about gaming news and then streamer news afterwards, but this is more of like Twitch news than streamer news, so I think as a viewer or a streamer this kind of has a bit of an effect on everyone. Twitch recently announced that it would be starting an advisory council made up of a diverse group of experts on different topics that are big in the Twitch community. It's called the Twitch Safety Advisory Council. However, Twitch has been getting some backlash over one of the members they added to their council. Uh, we're talking about Ferociously Steph, and now it seems Twitch's CEO has spoken out about it. I mean, I mean, it's been like everywhere. Everyone's talking about it, guys. Everyone has something to say about it, whether they're mad or, or not. But it got so big that the CEO had to talk about it. So the CEO of Twitch, Emmett Shear, recently shared his thoughts on the current state of the new Safety Advisory Council. Since May 14th, Twitch has received plenty of questions among viewers regarding the council. Fairly recently, Council member Ferociously Steph openly said a few offensive statements regarding white supremacy and gamers, which caused an uproar in the Twitch community. Viewers then called for Twitch to take action against her. Amid the controversies, Sheer released a statement vaguely relating back to these issues. In his statement, Sheer explained what the council is and what their duties are. Their point of the council is to ensure a healthy community, offering perspective and keeping the community safe. Twitch intended to hire people of many backgrounds to keep the diversity and thoughts of ideas flowing, so Shear said, Because a position on the council is not a test of ideology or an endorsement by Twitch on a specific viewpoint, we expect that members of the council will sometimes have very different viewpoints from each other, from Twitch staff members, or from the official Twitch policy. The message explains that safety advisory council members cannot make moderation decisions, nor will they have access to any details on specific moderation cases. However, ferociously Steph may have suggested otherwise in a viral Twitch clip, stating that she has power and that some people should be afraid of her. 
Additionally, she expressed that Twitch should get rid of voice chat, which is something many viewers were not happy about. In a way, she made it clear that Twitch does not endorse these ac actions. Although the message did not speak to her actions specifically, the underlying sentiment was picked up by most readers. Overall, many followers were not satisfied with the statement, though, and continued to share their thoughts with Sheer. It does seem that Ferociously Steph has some sort of god complex, where she feels that people should fear her and the power Twitch has given her. However, the Safety Council doesn't seem to have much power at all according to Twitch's CEO. I mean, they aren't mods, they won't make any big decisions, they can't just go around banning people. So I don't think there's much to fear from Ferociously Steph, other than her mentality towards her position in the advisory council. Which, in my opinion, that thought process, that mentality should be enough to consider the fact that they added her. I get it, they're trying to, you know, cover every aspect that has seen issues before on, on Twitch and Ferociously Steph is one of the very first trans transgender Twitch partners. So she has a lot to say about the problems that they deal with, which I respect completely. This has nothing to do with that. It's that mentality that Twitch has given her power and people should fear her now. So I don't know, that's something to put some thought into. But let me know how y'all think about this. Let me know in the comment section down below. If you like these videos, I drop one every Sunday. Uh, like and subscribe, it really helps me out and uh, I greatly appreciate it. As I said earlier, I do stream on Twitch. Looks like the new uh, schedule is Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Twitch.tv slash CuriousJ. Go follow, turn those notifications on, catch me live. We'll talk about all this live and, and sometimes if whatever we talk about is enough for me to put on this episode then it will be you know what i mean uh, but yeah come hang out we'll have a good time till next time guys take it easy stay curious peace